The phrase, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, has entered popular culture. It's been used as the title of multiple books. It's been used as the title of at least five major Hollywood films over many years. It shows up in the comic books in the Marvel series of a group of supervillains that are known as the Four Horsemen. In reality, in politics and in sports and technology and others, there's been quartets of influential people who were known as the Four Horsemen. Shows up on television, shows up in poetry. It's part of the Highlander TV series. Many video games use that phrase, and it's also a song by Metallica. But just who and what are the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse? Is it fact or fiction? Is it a work of fancy, or is there something of significance for us? As we look in this time together, we're going to look at both the source and the significance of this phrase, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And I assure you, if you stick around to the end, you're going to find that this has meaning for you today and will have meaning for you in all your days yet future. So stick with me. Let's take a look at the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Well, as I promised in the introduction, we're going back to the source. And the source of the phrase we've come to know as the four horsemen of the apocalypse comes from the last book of the New Testament in the book of Revelation. It's found in Revelation chapter 6. If you have access to a Bible, I would certainly encourage you to have your own source document open. And you can read this for yourself in addition to what I'm going to be sharing with you as I try to explain this. So as we come to this passage of Scripture in Revelation chapter 6, you have to understand something that's occurred in chapters 1 through 5. Because the Bible is written in such a way that it flows in a chronology. You can't just dip in and take out a chunk and, not, and have it removed from what's before and after. What you, what you need to know in the past and what in the future, it all has to fit into that. So as the book of Revelation begins in chapter 1, the Apostle John, he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, has been exiled to an island known as Patmos. He's, uh, he's a political slash religious uh, exile or prisoner of the Empire of Rome. God grants him a vision of things yet future. He is allowed to see with eyes that only God could allow him to see in this fashion, and we don't really understand how a vision works or how it feels and how it's experienced. All we have is his written record in the 22 chapters of the book of Revelation. It's written also in a style of what we know as apocalyptic lit literature, and maybe I should give you a little bit of a background on that, that phrase, apocalyptic, or the horseman of the apocalypse. Uh, that comes from a word that the, the, uh, the Bible in English is based upon, which means the apocalypse is the unveiling. It's synonymous with revelation, if you will, to reveal something that was hidden, and now it's revealed, and that's what that phrase means. So he's allowed to see things yet future as God reveals what will be. In chapter 5, he has a vision of the, in the throne room of God. God has in his hand a scroll, a book, but rolled up scroll, if you can picture that in your mind. And this scroll is sealed with seven seals, and he has it in his hand. And there's a bit of, uh, of, of consternation, a bit of sadness, because there's no one in all of heaven that is deemed worthy to come and to take this scroll until the Lamb of God steps forward. And that's one of the titles for Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Savior of the world. He steps forward. He is deemed worthy to take that scroll from God the Father's hand. And then there's great worship in heaven. I would encourage you to go back and read especially chapter 5, the great worship that ensues. Now, what is this book? Well, commentators and Bible study students and uh, commentators have, have delved into this subject for decades. The best way I understand it, and maybe this is a simplistic definition or, or explanation, but I think it helps, 
you know, a scroll in their day was, was, and especially one that was sealed, and this one we know is the description in chapter 5, it had seven seals. So as you would unscroll, break a seal, you'd unroll it for a while, and then you'd come to another seal, unroll it a little more, it'd be another seal. And those seals were the authenticating indi indicators, authenticating statements that this was legal and binding. In the Roman world, that would be understood. And you understand that, that John receives this vision within the confines of the first century A.D., probably around 90 A.D. or something in that general vicinity. But with that regard, with that, with regard to that, we have to understand the symbolism fits into what he understood, and then we have to understand what that means for us. So that scroll was a title deed for what the son was going to inherit from the father. If a father had a large estate and the son or multiple members of the family was going to inherit something, there would be a will prepared. This happens in our day. We don't have wax seals or scrolls, but a document is prepared. It's signed. It's notarized. It's recorded. It's a legal and binding document for what that estate is going to be. Well, God the Father, and you can see this all the way back in the second Psalm, Psalm chapter 2, where God the Father promises his begotten one, God the Son, would receive an inheritance which would encompass all the kingdoms, all the nations of the world. In other words, all of this world is going to be given to God the Son from God the Father. So this is the, the inheritance, the title deed, if you want to say, to this kingdom. In fact, if you want to understand Revelation, that is so significant in chapter 5 because with the breaking of the seals that begin in chapter 6, it just goes on and on and on and on and on until Christ comes back to this world, to this planet, sets up his kingdom, Satan is removed, evil has been, been dealt with, and he will ensue a great kingdom, an eternal kingdom uh, of God, ruled over by the son of David, the last great king of the, the first great king, I should say, of Israel, the, the, and this descendant of David, the Lord Jesus, God coming in the flesh, is going to rule in this kingdom. So what you have in chapter 6, Jesus begins to open those seals. Which, When each of these seven seals is open, something significant happens to bring in a further step toward the ultimate culmination, which is the great kingdom of Christ on this earth. And when the seventh seal uh, is broken, then another series of seven and another series of seven. You could read that on in the, in the book of Revelation. But we're just dealing with the first section here in, in uh, Revelation chapter 6. And let me just pick it up. Let me read the, the text for you, the source document, if you will. Now, I saw the Lamb open one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice like thunder, Come and see. That creature is obviously an angelic creature. We were introduced to them earlier in, the, in these chapters, particularly in chapter, chapter 5 and also a little bit in chapter 4. But, but the, he, there's this invitation. Come and see what's going to happen. Then verse 2. And look and behold a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. There's the first horse. Verse 3. Then he opened the second seal, and I heard a second living creature saying, same invitation, come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. Verse 5. Here's the fourth, of, third of those four horsemen. Then, I, then he opened the third seal, and I, heard, and I heard the living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard the voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarters of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. 
And then you have the final seal, final seal of the, these four, not the final of the seven, obviously, but the fourth seal is the final of these four horsemen. And he opened the fourth seal, and I heard the voice of the living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him. And, the pow and power was given them to a fourth of the earth, over a fourth of the earth, to kill with sword, with hunger and death, and by the beasts of the earth. So a rather terrifying and awesome depiction of what is coming. Now, John saw four horsemen on four horses with four collars, with four things in their hand, and he heard what was given to them, the authority and the power to do. Now, these are symbolic of things that will yet take place in the future. And I know there's some Bible scholars that say, well, these things already have fit into hu in history in the past. Uh, I think uh, it's the most proper way, and it seems the most logical way, the most plain way to, to understand the scriptures is to understand this as coming on in the future, yet the future, as, as it is preparing to bring in this, this kingdom to this earth when Christ returns to the earth to set up his kingdom. So you have four horses you have uh, listed here. You have a white horse, a red horse, a black horse, and then a pale horse. And sometimes that's described as being sort of a greenish, sickly collar of this pale horse. And you think of uh, what that must have looked like. And there's horsemen on it. But notice there's statements about what they do. And basically, in the end times, when it's about time for Christ to return, these horsemen are going to be unleashed as he then takes this title deed document from God the Father. The seal's open, and each one of these events are taking place to begin to further to bring in his kingdom. So the first horse is in verse 1, where he talk, 1 through 2, I should say. He says in verse 2, Behold, a white horse. Now, kings and rulers and great generals in that, in that situation, in that culture, in that day, in, particularly in Rome, if a, big gener if a general had, had a big victory and he comes home to Rome, he would ride in what was known as a triumph. It is, he would bring some of the prisoners from the prisoners of war. They would parade down the streets in humiliation. There would be great singing and rejoicing. And then the general would be treated to this triumph, and he would come riding on a white horse, showing his power to be an authority and conquer. So the one riding on this white horse, he has two things. A bow and a crown were given to him. A bow was the strength of military might. The crown was the authority to rule. So we might call this first rider, if you will, uh, an evil conqueror, an evil conqueror. And probably, if you've studied the Bible, this is the one that we know as the Antichrist uh, from the Bible, and this will sh show up later in Revelation. We're just looking at these, these four designations of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. But he's going to come, he's going to conquer. He's going to be empire building. He's going to try to create a, a vast empire to rule. And in some way, the Antichrist, the opposite of Christ, is going to try to set up a kingdom in this world and rule. It's going to be dominated by Satan and by wicked, evil men in that period. But uh, Christ will come and conquer that kingdom and set up his kingdom, which will be not a kingdom for time, but a kingdom for eternity, a kingdom that will last for all eternity. So he will come and he will rule. Notice it says that he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, we're going to not run into war until a bit later, so... Uh, he probably comes bearing peace. Now, if you want an additional study, I'm not going to spend much time with this, but you might want to take note of this. Uh, there's a passage of Scripture that's found in Matthew chapter 24 where Jesus' disciples, when he was on the earth, ask about the end times. And he goes through this series, same series of things. In verses 4 and 5 of Matthew 24, he talks about there are going to be false Christs. Maybe say it this way, antichrists. Maybe a conquering ruler who's going to promise peace. And it will be peaceful a while, but it's peace that has uh, within it 
uh, his, his desire to rule supreme. In verse 6, it talks about wars, which is synonymous with the second horse, the red horse. He talks about famines in the first part of verse 7 in Matthew 24, and that's synonymous with the black horse. He talks about death in verses, the end of verse 7 and verse 8, and that's synonymous with the, with the famines is the black horse, the death is the pale horse. So Jesus already talked about this same sequence of events, and now John gets it in visual form. So what's going to be happening in the future? Well, the first of these riders on a on a white horse is going to come, appearing to be a great king. He's going to bring together warring factions. He's going to rule. He's going to have strength and military strength. He's going to have the crown on his head, and he's going to rule, and he's going to be the pseudo, or the uh, maybe we should say it this way, he's going to be the, the imitation Christ. We can say it that way. So what's going to happen when Christ begins this process yet future? Watch for a rising world-dominating, empire-building king who's going to offer peace. The peace will not be real and lasting, but that's going to be the case. So that's what he's saying. That's what's going to happen next. Now, we also understand that as the end times approach, we don't know when this is going to take place. Jesus said no one knows the hour and the time. Is it, is it, do we see events in, world, in the world today that might be resembling that and preparing that? I, I kind of think Satan has been preparing for this all along. Whenever he gets the chance, he's going to launch. So I think he's been he kind of always had at the ready a, a strategy and a plan and the resources to pull this off whenever he's allowed to do it, whenever he has the opportunity to strike. But is it near? Is it far? I don't know, and neither do you know, and neither does anybody else out here sharing similar things to me do they know. It seems interesting. It's interesting to watch. It's interesting to listen, to be aware, to know that we're getting closer to Christ's return. But do we know when that will take place? Is it now? Is it in my lifetime? Is it yours? Is it 500 years from now? Is it way in the future beyond that? We just don't know. But rest assured, the four horsemen of the apocalypse show us the beginning stages of the end prior to Christ's return. So leave it at that. Now, secondly, we have uh, the second horse, a fiery red horse, it says. Another horse, fiery and red, went out, and, and it was granted to one who sat on it. So there's a rider on a horse. By the way, the horse's rushing is an interesting symbolism as well. They are coming with power and might and rushing like a, like a great horse rushing forward at full speed. So there's something awesome about that. There's something sudden about that. There's something dramatic about that. So this reality that will take place in future world history is set in a motif of, of very interesting and powerful creatures and writers. So this is going to be war. So the peace offered by the false Christ, the Antichrist, as the rider with the, the, with the first horse, is going to be replaced with a fiery red horse and a rider that's going to be war. And it says there, and this is an awesome thing to listen. It's scary and, and, and just amazing. Verse 4, another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. It'll be a time when warfare breaks out. The Antichrist will be, will be attacked, his kingdom will be attacked, and it'll be back and forth, and it'll be a time of great devastation in the world. We think of, even as I record this, there's war in U Ukraine between, this, between Russia and Ukraine. Now you have NATO, you have the United States on one side, you have Russia on the other side, and we're not in direct conflict at this point, but we also are supporting one side over the other, obviously. And uh, even that has been a disruption to our energy supplies, a disruption to our economy, a distraction from many other things. There's worry about the future. There's been the, the specter of, of uh, someone may use nuclear weapons. We don't know how that's all going to turn out. But you understand how devastating war could be even in, when it's, it's sort of feared. Well, think about this. This is the real thing. 
So at the beginning of the end, when the first seal comes, a great conquering leader, this we would call this one, uh, we would call this a, 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 an evil conqueror. Secondly, we would see in the red horse, we find a earthly conflict. The world will be in conflict. And I think you would indi- we find an indication in Scripture that it's going to be on a scale unlike any other. It's going to be kind of off the charts. Then the third horse is, is the next in this sequence of events that's going to take place. And this is in verse 5. And he opened the third seal. I heard the living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he, was, he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. Now, scales were, were common in the economy because uh, commodities were measured and weights were measured, money was measured. Everything was done by weights. So a scale, think of a balance scale, you know, two little plates and, you know, hanging on chains and at a pivot point or a balance point so you could measure that out. So that's the kind of scale he has in his hand. So in their world, this is talking about an assault on the economy. So the the rider on the white horse, picturing a coming evil conqueror, the rider on the red horse, earthly conflict, and the rider on the black horse is speaking of economic collapse. And you see that in verse 6. And I heard the voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. So grain, wheat, if you will, was the staple of their foodstuff and the staple of, the, of a well-functioning economy in the Roman world of the first century. So he's saying this. Now, a denarius would be the wages of a working man for one day, okay? So if you worked uh, five days, you got five denarius. So, and that would be enough to, to cover the needs of a family in a moderate level, but comfortably. Basically what he's saying here, and if you would do the, the, the computation, if you just allow me to say it this way, uh, it's going to be great a time of great inflation. That sounds very much like what we're experiencing today worldwide. But uh, your money's going to buy less. You're going to be getting the same amount of money, but it's going to have less buying power. In fact, rather than having enough with the denarius to provide for a whole family, it's going to be reduced to the fact that the denarius is going to provide for one, one member of the family, one individual. So it's going to be a time of deprivation, economic collapse, economic calamity. And God is now doing this, not just to be mean and vindictive, but because there's a kingdom in this world dominated by Satan lived out through the Antichrist in that time yet future, that's going to be totally opposed to him. How do you attack an enemy? Well, you attack an enemy with warfare, and you can attack them economically. Even in the Ukraine-Russia situation, there's been all these sanctions to try to punish Russia and so forth, and we, we understand that. So this can be a time of great economic turmoil. And God is taking the same tactic to as he begins to prepare the final conquering of this world and all of its nations and be given to the God the Son as an as a offering to him, as a reward to him, as a gift to him. We would say it that way. And ultimately, he's going to rule. Don't forget, the, don't forget the big picture. These are just steps. These frightful horsemen of the apocalypse are just the first steps. And he does it in picture form to tell us what is coming. And that ultimately, yet there in the future, it's going to be that Jesus wins and Jesus rules. Okay, now let's go to the fourth and final of these horses of the apocalypse, horsemen of the apocalypse. Verse 7, he opened the fourth seal and I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So take a look at this. So I looked and behold a pale horse, so pale, like sickly. We even say today, you know, you look a little pale. Are you feeling okay? You're looking ourselves in the mirror. Are Are we feeling, are we looking pale? So it means sickly, pale horse, okay? So, and it says this, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was death. 
So death is coming in. And by the way, these kind of flow in sequence. A great conqueror, and then conflict, war, which leads to economic disaster, economic collapse. And then this one, which leads to this, what we're going to call extreme calamity in the world, with death falling for so many. So death is, many people are going to die. Not just from the warfare itself, but also the effects of it. Hunger and starvation and disease, all that. Let's read on so we get that. It says, who, who sat on, the name, and the name of him who sat on it was death, and Hades followed with him. Well, what's this connection between death and Hades or death and hell? Well, there are two parts of the whole. Uh, death is what claims the body from life, and hell is what claims the soul from life. So he's saying to us, this is going to be total death and destruction on all those that face the wrath of God as he allows this world to be going through these processes, through these events, through these stages, preparing for the time when his son is going to come and rule. So all those who have rejected God, all those who have not accepted his free gift of salvation in Christ, all those who are alive at that time, it's going to be a time of great extreme calamity in this world. So let's re just repeat those before I finish up the fourth, fourth horseman. So the white horse, evil conqueror, coming. The red horse, earthly conflict, warfare coming, the red horse. Economic collapse, the black horse, and all the ramifications of it, and extreme calamity, this death and dying. Let's finish reading verse 8 so I get it all in. And power was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. So, these things kind of follow in sequence, don't they? So you have a conqueror who has a bow in his hand, is able to, to exact war, a time of peace, but followed by a time of war. War leads to economic collapse. Economic collapse leads to hunger, disease, famine, all, that, all those sorts of realities. So the ultimate result is death. So this rider is coming, bringing death. Hell is following it. Hades is following it, claiming the soul. It's a time of extreme calamity in this world. Now notice it says in the end of verse 8, to, to powers given to over a fourth of the earth. Sometimes commentators believe that means that just means a fourth of the area is going to be affected by the famine and the calamity out there. Sometimes we believe that that means maybe a fourth of the world is going to perish at that time, a fourth of the population of the world. But it's going to be a time of many, many deaths occurring. And it says how it's going to take place, to kill with the sword. That's directly through warfare. With hunger, that's the economic collapse we were just talking about. And by death, and that's probably meaning disease and pestilence. And you, you, you understand something about this. Do you not think about where we've been in the last two or three years? A simple virus has spread around the world and has affected every one of us. Now, there's been many people who've lost their lives. We, we probably all know someone in our extended family or group of acquaintances either has lost someone or we've lost someone. But uh, many of us have had COVID and recovered. Many of us, uh, hopefully many of us have been spared the worst of it. But the reality is just this one simple virus spreads around the world, great calamity, and a section of the population dies. Think about this kind of a calamity where it's disease and, and hunger and people are not at their best and warfare going on. Think about the supply chains that a, a great calamity of war would, take, would, would bring to us. We've all had a little taste of what that may be like in yet future. And it just shows us how easily we and our supposed security can be shaken and how quickly we can fall into trouble. And the call is to come back to us to follow him. So, the white horse, an evil conqueror. The red horse, an earthly conflict. The black horse, an economic collapse. The pale horse, extreme calamity. 
on this world of much dying and death. So what do we take away from that? That's just a great summary and a quick summary. I hope that helps you with understanding that you can study on. There's great resources that you can get a hold of that help you with that. But I want to just read a verse or two back from chapter 5. Because when Jesus is recognized as the one who wants to, who can take that scroll, that title deed, there's a worship opening in heaven. And he hears this loud voice saying in verse 12, saying with a loud voice, chapter 5, verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive rich, power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing. So there's great worship. How do we prepare for a future when things will go bad, whether we're on the earth or will be for some other people? I don't know. But how do we prepare for our future? Will we honor the Son? We treat him as he is, worthy of our respect, worthy of our honor. We listen to what he has to say in the word. He's been gracious to tell us what yet will yet be. And he offers us a great way out, the only way out, as a matter of fact. And that's how we can have our sins forgiven. We can have a righteous relationship with God because he has given his righteousness to us. And all we have to do is believe. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. And in that death, everything is set up. All we have to do is accept it, believe it for ourselves. And right now, even in the privacy of your own heart, you can just say, Lord, I right now receive you. I believe that. If you make that step, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to get some things in your hand to jumpstart your walk and your living and your growing in the Lord Jesus Christ and your knowledge of him. But understand this. Who are the four horsemen of the apocalypse? They're ones that are going to be released because Jesus has the authority to release these things in the world as a means of preparing for his eternal kingdom and destroying the kingdom of Satan. With that in place, we need to honor him, and we honor him through our belief. And if you're a believer, we honor him through sharing that truth with others, just like I'm trying to share that with as many people as I can in this video and others I produce. So share this with somebody. Pass this on. Challenge them. Have you ever heard of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse? Take a look at this video and get some background on the subject. So how do we prepare? We believe and we share. I hope you've enjoyed this little jaunt through a portion of Revelation chapter 6. There's so much so much more in the, in the book of Revelation we could study together, but hopefully that'll whet your appetite for things yet future. The four horsemen of the apocalypse, terrifying, fearful, yes, but if you're prepared for whatever future God has for us, whatever our time frame, whether we, whether we'll be, whether this is in our lifetime or our normal lifetime or many years yet future, we're prepared for it by faith in him. And if we're prepared for it by faith in him, we have someone to tell that story to. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for allowing me to teach these exciting truths. And I hope you understand, even though it's out there in popular culture, the four horsemen of the, of the apocalypse comes directly from Revelation chapter 6 that I just read to you. And I hope you'll become a student of the Bible or continue to be a student of the Bible and you open to heart, your heart to what God wants to say to you. Until next time, this is Jesse Wagner. Thank you for joining me for this time in the Word. And may God help us all to live the Word today and be living the Word today and every day. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.